Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. He does have a tricky body. Oh, he does. Okay. He doesn't look like, okay, look at if But that guy's walking down the street. You have no idea who he is. I don't know if you're saying, yeah, he's the best quarterback in the world. This is the Press Box. So we, our mean, tricky body list is James Harden and Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. now Patrick Mahomes runs kind of fun. With Graney and Bischoff. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Travell Beck. Turbo Beck's body is not tricky. We know exactly what Turbo Beck's body is. It is not tricky in any way, not at all. That is a complete lie. Stop trying to put Turbo Beck in that category. On ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, good morning. It's Ed Tyler. Danny running the show, which means it's a Thursday. The degenerate is behind the board. Making bets as we go. <laughs> Yasiel Puig behind the board. Yasiel Puig behind the board. <laughs> so I, I did see a post on Twitter about a very obscure bet, and the tag the um, the post said, and my friends call me a degenerate, and I wanted to talk to you about it today, but we'll talk about it later on. All right. Very, very important. Are I'm you very gonna, excited about that? Are you going to bet on the World Cup? Absolutely. All right. All right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm excited excited on the World, World Cup, Cup again, and, and any other team except the United States. Absolutely. Okay. I'm excited for Danny's World Cup bets. That's going to be a great uh, part it's, of the show. It's going to be fantastic. Which, by the way, uh, next Tuesday, we're going to be out at Parkway Tavern at the District for some World Cup games. Mexico's playing Poland at 8 a.m. We'll be out there, uh, brought to you by Finley Toyota. So come out to Parkway Tavern at the District on Tuesday of next week. And come say hi to us. I'll also be out there for the United States and England uh, Friday of next week, too. So Parkway right. Tavern at the District. We were just talking about doing watch parties yesterday. Yeah. So. Where are you? Yeah, we were talking in here about it because oh, I, we I had asked Tyler <laughs> if he had heard anything about doing watch parties. Was this on the air? No. This no. Is oh, I was going to say, yeah. I missed that. You were not a part of the kind. Don't was, worry. Don't was, worry. You didn't I missed forget it. I was this like, already. my goodness. What happened there? The First Bite. Will Derek Carr be the Raiders quarterback in 2023? We've kind of talked about this in terms of they can get out of his contract after a year. I think I said the other day, so I think if they're locked into a top three pick, then I think they would likely move on from him. But what if they're eight and nine? Right. And they're picking 14th, and they don't feel <laughs> they have an ability to get any of these top three kids who are the, I guess, uh, quote-unquote uh, sure things at the top of the draft. I would say if they do finish 8-9, that would mean they go on a 6-2 and two run here to end the season. Right. And they're probably feeling okay about that. And he's Carr probably playing point. well right. if they're 6-2. Yes. Yeah. So if they did finish that well, you might feel okay about, all right, that was a weird first half of the season, but we got it turned around and Derek Carr's our quarterback and all this. But I asked this question earlier in the week. What's the best thing they did in the off season? And the best thing they did was how they structured Derek Carr's contract mm -hmm. was that they can get out of his contract in the three days after the season ends or whatever, and not have to pay Derek Carr a big extension. Now, if he's on the roster, whatever date it is in the off season, then it becomes like fully guaranteed for, I think the next two years after this one. So it's going to have to be a rather quick decision but like Derek Carr after Sunday's loss, he said the emotion of just nine years of stuff hit me today for how much I really love this place. It's not going to change anything. All that like that was an interesting way to phrase, you know, the emotion of being here for nine years. Mm -hmm. Normally, when you look at something and you get emotional about, oh, I've been here so long. 
you're th- thinking about that it might be coming right. to an end. It's because the end is here, not because, oh, I got another nine years in me and I'm just emotional about the first nine. It's, oh, it's going to be nine years and that's the end of it. So I thought that was like looking back at it. I thought that was a curious way to phrase it for Derek Carr because is there any way Derek Carr knows in the middle of a season, oh, I'm not coming back next year? Like they wouldn't have. No, no, they wouldn't have told him. Would he really be looking that far ahead? I mean, he might be thinking it. He knows what his contract says. I and it takes me back to when he signs that contract. What was the conversation with McDaniel's and Ziggler then? Like when they're when they're negotiating the contract, or when his agents telling him about how they're negotiating the contract. Did Ziggler and McDaniel like? Did they make it clear? Hey, this is how we want to structure your deal. We want to have the flexibility to get out of it after a year because if this doesn't go well, we want that, you know, option. Like, was that explicitly said when they negotiated contracts? Unless the agent wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Which is possible. Which is possible. They had to tell they had to tell the agent, right? I mean, they had to say I mean the agent read the contract. I'm sure he knew that they could get out after a year. So maybe if, like, in that scenario, maybe Carr bet on himself and and kind of realizes, like, wow, we suck. I haven't played very well. Things are going very poorly. And based on the way they set up my contract, I'm probably not here next year. So that's, I don't know, it's just an interesting thought for a quarterback to have midseason right after a game of, oh, wow, this might be. My last. Now I will year. say he has said this. He has said the statement. I've been here a long time, a lot. Right. Espe- and especially after losses. Yeah. Especially after losses, I've been here. I've seen this. I've seen everything. Um, I'm getting tired of it. I've heard him say that <laughs> since we covered started covering since the team. He came to Vegas. So, yeah, before he so, came to Vegas when he was in Oakland after <laughs> after tough losses, he would say stuff like that. He's had a lot of tough losses. Yeah. Sometimes I feel bad for him. You know. So, if you're the Raiders. 2023, what's your best option at quarterback? I mean, it could be Derek Carr if you're picking in right. the middle of the draft and, and you don't see anyone that you think could come in and even be a competent backup to sit behind him for a year. And so, like, that, this to me is the fascinating part of where the Raiders are as an organization, where they, they go all in in the offseason, they struggle, and then you start, I mean, we said it yesterday, everything the Raiders do from here on out should be about 2023. They shouldn't be making decisions to try to maximize their chances to win games this year if it has an impact on the future. It should be about 2023. But from the quarterback spot, it's it's fascinating because if you decide to move on from Derek Carr and McDaniels is safe, is Josh like Josh McDaniels would effectively be saying, "All right, we're going to draft a rookie quarterback." Like, let's just say they have a top five pick, and they're like, "All right, we're going to move on from Carr. We plan to get a quarterback, and they get Bryce Young, whoever." You're effectively saying either a we expect Bryce Young to be awesome from the start, and we're going to be good next year, or you're saying, "Give us two to three years, figure yeah, out if Bryce Young, figure is out if good. he's the guy." Is that really where the Raiders are going to be in the offseason? McDaniels after a failed year one being like, all right, give me two to three years to figure out what I can do with Bryce Young. That's whew. we've talked about should he be fired in season? And that's like if I'm McDaniels, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying, all right, didn't sure, you're work. trying to buy yourself enough time. Didn't work with Carr. Let me go get CJ Stroud or something yeah, like you're that. You're trying to buy yourself time. All right, I need three years. We gotta figure out if this rookie quarterback's any good. Right. Yeah, gotta give me multiple years. Whew. That's gonna be tough to swallow if 
he truly is a bad football coach. You're talking about three, maybe four years of Josh McDaniels without doing anything. Right? Right. I mean, obviously they might win with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever it is, but like you're potentially setting yourself up for three or four years of, well, we had to see what he could do. Right. That's a brutal place to be. It's an absolutely brutal Especially place with a four-year contract. Right. And given what the roster, I mean, if you're Devontae Adams. Oh. I mean, he, he literally came here to play with Derek Carr. And we're talking Matt about a trade to Green Bay. We're, we're talking about a legitimate scenario where Derek Carr is not here after the first right. year that Devontae Adams is here. Like that's, I don't know. It's just, it's a very bizarre place to be. And you're right about where they pick in the draft. I think you could make the argument. It's in their best interest to keep Derek Carr. I think so too. I mean, even look, let me ask you this. Even if they get a top two pick and they're not sure if the guy can play right away, would you take Bryce Young, keep Derek Carr, and say you're going to play behind me here? The problem with that is I don't know how open Carr would be to that. He seems to be, likes to be the guy where the backup just has no chance of playing unless he gets hurt. If you take Bryce Young, he's playing eventually, yeah, sooner than later. If you take C.J. Stroud, he's playing sooner than later. I don't know how Carr would react to that. He would publicly be fine with it, be the greatest teammate you've ever seen. Right. Now, what would he be privately? Because what's the what's the biggest challenge he's had? Right, he won the job as a rookie, and that was he won it in preseason. But since then, like Marcus Mariota is probably the biggest competition he's legitimately had since then. And I don't think John Gruden was ever going to play Marcus Mariota except for those few few right. uh, RPO plays. Yeah, he ran. I don't think that was like. That was never even a thought, I think, in John Gruden's mind no. that there was a quarterback competition no. there, even though maybe there should have been. But, yeah, I, I'd be curious to see how Carr would respond, if, especially if they took one, like, a top-five pick, right? Like, you're not – even Jordan Love was picked in the 20s, right? Right, like, right. Or, a, you know, if it's a second or a third-round pick. You're not whatever. taking a top-five pick and not thinking eventually you're going to play. Yeah, him. I mean, most people, you take a top-five pick and you play the guy right away. Right. So, that it's – it's fascinating to me, the quarterback position, because I don't know what McDaniels and Ziegler think next year's supposed to be. Is next year supposed to be, oh, we're still all in. We're still trying to win. We're, we think we can compete for a Super Bowl. Or is next year going to be, oh, we got to turn everything over. We got to start from scratch. Because that's two very different answers, and that's two very different directions. Well, you I don't think next year they're going to say win now, because that didn't work out very well for them. <laughs> So next year it might be like we're still evaluating. We got to get our own guys in here for the system. We've got to you know build how we want to build it. I think that becomes the narrative next year because if you go two straight years with the win now narrative, then you could be in trouble if you're two and seven again. Oh, if they go and like trade their first and second round picks for I don't know, hopefully not another receiver, maybe an offensive lineman for once, right? Like they give up their picks and get good players and have a bunch of dead cap hit money, spend money in free agency on guys like Chandler Jones again, and then they start two and seven again next year. Yeah. <laughs> that That's worst case scenario. If you're McDaniels, yes, like exactly. you might not even make it to two and seven. What did they start this year? Oh, and three. Oh, and three. Yeah. I mean, you start Oh, and three in that scenario, you might be gone because this year has been a nightmare, but if you did it again, like basically the same exact scenario. Yeah. You'd have to be gone. What if the Raiders do, select a quarterback in the top five and we're sitting here this time next year Raiders have about the same record and Bryce Young's been the starter the whole time well no 
Carr's been the starter, but signs are starting to lean towards Carr getting benched, and they want to see what they have in whatever rookie they get. I don't think it would take until two and seven. No, yeah, I mean, if if they had the same like sort of win loss uh, schedule where they if they start zero and three with Carr as the quarterback in that scenario, I think they're changing. You think that fast? Oh yeah. I, I mean, oh, if, if he's you, a top five, if he's guy. a top five pick, yeah. He's now, a top five pick. If they take a quarterback in round two or later right. or something, then maybe yeah. they wait a little longer. But even then, you take one in round two, they might do it uh, at zero and three. But if you like, if they took Bryce Young at fourth overall or wherever he goes, and they start zero and three, unless it's like car, unless it's like they're losing forty one to forty. But if it's cars playing well, yeah. If it's zero and three, and it's like ah, we lost twenty four to twenty one and stuff like that, I, I think you're changing. I do, which if they did that legitimate scenario, because if they take a quarterback in the top five, their defense is going to suck again next year. Like it is like we can just write that down. The defense is going to be bad again next year until they actually show us a good defense. We should just assume the Raiders defense is going to be bad. Right. Like right. it, like there's right. no, there's no, I don't feel like there's anything they can do in the off season to make me like, Oh yeah, of course they'll be good now. Cause we kind of thought that no. this year. Yeah. I mean, they went and got Chandler Jones. It was like, oh, they might have one of the best pass rushes in the in the NFL. They might have one of the worst. They're like bottom three in every pass rushing stat. Yes. It's basically Max Crosby has seven sacks and a bunch of hurries. Nate Hobbs has one sack. And nobody else on the team has even seen the quarterback this year. Right. I mean, like, they don't even get close. So they're terrible at it. And we thought they were going to be good. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some UNLV basketball and look too far ahead at the NCAA tournament. Now Iwako knocks the ball away. It's stolen by Harkless. Harkless in the front court. Harkless passes underneath Iwako. Iwako back to Harkless on the left side. A three for EJ is good. 50 to 44 Rebels. And they've gone on a run. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. You could win $15,000 from ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy that could pay for your rent or mortgage for a year or do whatever you want with it. All you got to do is go to lvsportsnetwork.com today and enter for your chance to win $15,000 from ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. You must be 18 or older. Complete rules are available at lvsportsnetwork.com. Dot com. All right. How far ahead of myself am I getting after one win over Dayton when I keep talking about the NCAA tournament? You're very excited about this. <laughs> um, it's a long way away, but you're very excited about what happened against Dayton and how it might mean something in an at-large, at-large resume for the Rebels down the road. Yeah, and then they go throw it all away tomorrow by losing to High Point or something like that. High Point is 3-0. and Oh, boy. Um, so here, here's a genuine question for you. UNLV plays 30 games this year. We've talked a lot about their non-conference schedule. Uh, There are only three more top 100 teams on the non-conference schedule. Southern Illinois, Washington State, and San Francisco. Uh, Even if they played Minnesota in the uh, Super Sandwich Tournament, they're not a top 100 team. Minnesota's Minnesota's not. They're like 130. Right. Maybe they get there by the end of the year because they're in the Big Ten, and if they pull off a few upsets, they'll jump pretty dramatically. But Minnesota is not a top 100 team. So 30 games. Three the rest of the way in the non-conference against top 100, and none of those are top 50. And then obviously the Mountain West schedule. How many wins do they have to get? Like, do they have to win like 25? Hot take. 23 games. Okay. So 20, they play 30 total. So I'll put, 23 I'll put the and number seven. 23. Would you go over or under? Um, on what I think they get or what they need? No, what they need, not what they get. Okay, because I'm going under on what they get. Um <sighs> 
23, I think that's a good number. 23 and 7 headed into the Mountain West, West tournament. tournament. But oh, that that might not be enough, honestly. Because if you're 23 and that okay, so that means there's seven losses on your schedule. And listen, Ken Palm rankings will change. It's very early in the season. These are going to change quite a bit for some teams, actually. But I don't know that there's seven survivable losses on the schedule. Other than San Diego State. But here's the thing. If you lose both of them to San Diego State, they are, they're only going to have one quality win. Right. Like, say, like, again, maybe Utah State is a top 50 team and there's a couple more opportunities. But right now... The only top 50 teams on their schedule are Dayton and two against San Diego State. And that's it. Those are the only three, like, really quality wins, right? If you beat, you know, the 75th best team, it's a solid win. But those are the only three teams on their, or only three games against two teams on their schedule that you look at right now and say, oh, that's probably an NCAA tournament team and that's a quality win. So if you lose both of them to San Diego State, sure, those aren't bad losses. Those aren't going to be held against you unless you lose by 50. But you also didn't pick up a quality win. So if you look at it, so like the non-conference schedule, Southern Illinois is ranked 91st by Ken Palm, Washington State 79th, San Francisco 97th. I think they they can't really afford to lose more than no. one of those. No. Like, you, like you, you're not going to be bounced from the NCAA tournament if you lost to the 79th best team in the country, right? That's That's fine. But if they lose two of those... Now you're talking about, oh, UNLV went 2-2 two and two against the top 100 in the non-conference. And then you go into conference play, and you almost have to do something like 14-4 and four or better. I think I, that'd be really hard. 23, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, when we talk about 23-7, and seven, I'm sitting here telling you they need to go 11-1 and one in non-conference. In non-conference. So if they were to go then 23-7, and seven, that means you're now 12-6 and six in the Mountain West. No, I think that's absolutely doable. Which means you've lost to six Mountain West teams. And if two of them are San, San Diego State, State, so now you've lost to four Mountain West teams that are maybe like Utah State's an NCAA tournament team, right? Let's, But you're still talking about two, three losses to teams that are not going to the NCAA tournament. And when you don't have quality wins, that might be enough to keep you out even if you're 23-7. and seven. So like this is, we talked about it earlier when the non-conference schedule came out. This is the problem with Kevin Kruger's non-conference schedule. He might, again, we've seen three games, they beat Dayton. This is, I am, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but he might have an NCAA tournament level team and they might not make it because his schedule's atrocious. That's a genuine problem that UNLV might run into. And that's not good enough if you're UNLV because you're not Wyoming. This is not Wyoming who can't schedule anybody. Oh, no, exactly. This is UNLV. This is not a team that, as we saw with Dayton, you can't get home and homes with. Right. They got because they're going back to Dayton next year. Yeah. Like, genuine problem for UNLV is they might be NCAA tournament level and not make it because the schedule is not good enough. Right. Because a 12-6 and six Mountain West team, that's, a, that's not a bad team. That's a good team, right? Even if you lose to, like, a uh, who's going to be sort of average this year. Even if you lose to, like, New Mexico Boise. or Boise State or something like that. Teams that are solid Mountain West teams but not going to the NCAA tournament. That happens. That's fine. Like, that doesn't mean you're a bad team. But if you just don't have any good wins to counterbalance that, when you get to March, the NCAA tournament selection committee is going to be like, all right, so what did UNLV do exactly? They beat Dayton, and then that was it. All right. Split with San Diego State. Yeah, like, that's that's not really enough. So 
I think there's a genuine possibility that we're looking at a 23 and seven UNLV who could miss the NCAA tournament because the schedule's not good enough. So what's your number then? That they need to get in? Yeah. Ooh. If they don't win their tournament, obviously. What's so, their number? So I put it at 23. I'm going to say they need to be 25 and five. Like, and that's 14 and four in the league. Yeah. And is that with that's pre tournament? <clears throat> is that pre mountain splitting with San Diego or two of those losses against San Diego? Yeah, either way. I think 25 and five you would probably them. be good enough. Yeah, I think like 25 and five and like don't lose to Air Force or something like that, which that's another thing they'll probably do at some point this year. They're going to they're going to lose to like, ah, how'd they lose to Air Force? Well, they didn't make a three for the entire game and lost and the 41 streak is to snapped. 39. Like that might happen with this team. But yeah, I think 25 and five and you'd feel pretty good. The And here's the other thing with Ken Palm and net. Like I talked about before, like if you play, you know, Southern Illinois, and I think Ken Palm right now is Southern Illinois projected as a one point winner in that one. So like if you play oh, Southern really? Illinois and you're projected to lose by a point, and if you beat Southern Illinois by like 14, that's going to help you, right? Like even though Southern Illinois is not going to be a quality win, it's not going to be a quad one win or anything like that. If you overperform like a Ken Palm projection or a net, I don't think net ranking does truly projections, but if you overperform the projected margin, that'll help you even if you don't play great teams. So there still is a chance, right? You know, we could go 23 and seven. And if they win a bunch of games, like they win 18 of those games by like 10 more points than the projected margin, then they're going to have a really high Ken Palm and a really high net ranking at the end of the day. So they can still do it with a 23 and seven record, but you got to really blow some of these teams out right. and they didn't do it in the first two games. And it's hard to blow people out with the way their offense. Oh yeah. And yes. Yes. It's like, really hard to blow people out. Like they'll, I mean. they'll have games where the defense is like, oh, they gave up 42 points and one by six. And you're like, what? How did that happen? Well, they made one three and didn't attempt to lay up the entire game, <laughs> but they still won. So 25 and five, I think you feel good. And that is way too good of a they're record. They're a long way I away know, from that. I know, they're 3-0. They're a long way away from 22 that. more wins. Put, Danny, put a countdown on the board up there. 22 wins away from the Put NCAA. that up there so it Don't can get erased at 5 o'clock. It will get erased very quickly. But 22 wins away from the NCAA tournament. That's what I got about. All right. So coming up next, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire is going to be by to answer your fantasy football questions. You can text those in right now. Our text line is 69187. Make sure you preface that with ESPN. So type ESPN, whatever your fantasy football question is, and then send all of that to 69187. Jeff Erickson from RotoWire is up next to answer your fantasy football questions. Josh Allen under center. Snap. And Josh trying to dive forward. Let's see. It's close down there. He's close to the goal line. The Vikings celebrating. They think they've stopped him in the end zone. Let's see. It's no, a he safety. fumbled. He fumbled, fumbled, and it's a touchdown. touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Vikings. Oh, my goodness. At the bottom of the pile, a big scramble for the football. How did that happen? Wow. Touchdown, Minnesota. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now from RotoWire is Jeff Erickson. If you've got fantasy football questions, you can text them in right now. 69187. That is the text line. Make sure you preface your message with ESPN 
and then type whatever your question is and send it to 69187. Jeff, I'll let you know we already have lots of people that want to know about Christian Watson, so we'll get to him. But first, I did want to ask you, um, what's the right time in your mind for a trade deadline in a fantasy football league? I would say right after Thanksgiving is probably a good good at any time. Uh, I, I think that, uh, that by then you have a pretty cl- you're, you're pretty close to the start of the fantasy playoffs. Uh, I like it pretty late, uh, to be honest, because you want to encourage activity in your league. Uh, I wouldn't wild trades in your fantasy playoffs, but anything like right up to the the start of the playoffs is fine by me. But probably better off like a couple of weeks before. That way, you got you, you know the teams that want to make that last push to get to the playoffs, they, they can make that decision. All right, we'll get to some of the specific Christian Watson questions, but do you think he's going to be worth everybody's waiver claims this week? Probably not, but he's still someone I'd go get anyhow because uh, there's just a dart of talent that you can try to find this time of year, especially at wide receiver. Usually you're trying to choose among third and fourth receivers from their respective teams, so it's rare to get a guy that's going to be a top-two player on top-two receiver on his particular team. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a lot of variance. It's not like he's, he's going to be a huge target monster. He's a guy that's a big play guy, can take the top off, and, you know, I want that. But at the same time, I don't know if I can count on it every single week. Where do you stand this week on Zeke Elliott? Uh, I would love for him to sit out one more week so my Tony Pollard shares can be that stronger. <laughs> I don't have any Zeke this year. So uh, I, I think that he's getting closer. I'm going to watch uh, today and tomorrow's practice reports really carefully, uh, and that'll be a good indication of where he's at. But he's not going to go back to the same workhorse role that he had before. He just can't. The genie's out of the bottle right now. Pollard's clearly better. Uh, Zeke, Zeke will probably get... He'll probably steal goal line carries. You know, he'll steal uh, you know some short yardage situations. He'll get a, a series or two, but he can't be the full time starter now. He just can't. All right, here we go. Questions again. You can text them into six nine one eight seven. First one. Start two of these four: Christian Watson, Darnell Mooney, Donovan Peoples Jones, and Devontae Smith. Oh, they're all in the same area. Um, I would probably go. Um, go. Watson and Smith, with some regrets, because I think Peoples Jones is guy that is a guy that's had like five catches for uh, multiple weeks in a row now. So he's someone that's pretty useful. Uh, here's a fun one: Josh Allen or Justin Fields? Ah, uh, man. Well, it's gonna snow in Buffalo. <laughs> a and lot. Supposedly up to seventy inches <laughs> in a span of twenty-four hours. Now, is it? During the game, is it right before the game, or are they going to have enough time to clear it? That's the question. I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, if the weather is an issue during the game, go Fields. He's playing in the Dome against Atlanta, which is great. Uh, if it's not, then I go Allen. Tyler Higby or TJ Hawkinson? TJ Hawkinson. Uh, he's number two in targets now for the Vikings. You know, so many times we talk about a player when he gets traded. Oh, he needs a couple weeks to assimilate, learn the team's playbook. Oh, they gave him like nine targets, you know, four days after getting traded to the Vikings. So uh, I thought that was interesting. You know, they lost uh, Irv Smith, and immediately Hawkinson stepped right in. 69187 is our text line. If you've got questions for Jeff Erickson from Rotowire, he will answer them. Uh, Kadarius, Tony, or Christian Watson? Um, if Juju Smith-Schuster looks like he's not going to play, we're going to have to make that decision tonight. Uh, but if he's like... Say if he's completely not practicing and uh, remains in the concussion protocol, then I go Watson. Uh, I mean, then I go Tony, excuse me. But if it looks like Juju's going to play at all, then I think you go uh, Watson tonight. 
does Tony have a big target share the rest of the year, or is it just going to be lost in the shuffle of everybody behind Kelsey in that offense? Um, uh, yeah, you know, I think that uh, I think it's going to be a guy, someone that they share a bunch of uh, targets with together. Um, and I, I think it's a week to week sort of proposition there. They have like six different guys they can throw to. Kelsey's the only thing you can count on. A healthy Juju is next. Then after that, it's a bit of potluck. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Um, what are you doing with the Kansas City backfield? Because I know Andy Reid. He said that they they don't really want to have a workhorse running back after Isaiah Pacheco had a good week. Like, what do you even want to do with any of those running backs? I mean, I, I think you start Pacheco this week because if you need him, um, I think. But just realize he got zero targets in the passing game. McKinnon is the uh, the pass catching back, so he, he's going to be all. There's always going to be a part of it there. I think you drop Ceh. I mean, you know, I, I, it hurts to do that because he was presumably one of your starters at the beginning of the year. But I mean, he got four snaps last week. Where do you rank Kirk Cousins this week? They host Dallas as the first of three home games. Uh, top ten, uh, probably about seven or eight. Uh, and that's in part because after about seven or eight, he just don't feel that that comfortable. I mean, you know, you know, he's gonna, you know, it's not a great matchup, but Rogers been fine against it, so I think he'll probably be able to start Cousins. Um, and you know, you're not going to find a better alternative out there. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. All right, uh, PPR league, two spots for four players. One has to be a running back. The other one's a flex spot. Damian Pierce, Jeff Wilson, Rondale Moore, and Alan Lazard. Unfortunately. It's- Free because uh, Wilson's on by, so that made it a little easier for us there. So, uh, Damian Pierce, um, and you said uh, Lazard, and who was the other? And Rondale Moore. Yes. Lazard versus Rondale Moore is a really close one. I'm going to go Lazard because I feel like I know he's going to get red zone targets. I'll say this, though. I mean, with uh, with uh, Arizona losing Zach Ertz, Moore's going to have a floor now of targets. The thing I want to watch though, with Arizona is Hollywood Brown might return on Monday night, so that could hurt more quite a bit. So, I'll take the uncertainty out of it there and go with Lazard. Uh, here's just not even one for you to compare players, but just will Keenan Allen ever play again? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that, that, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Chargers crack uh, injury staff, their uh, training staff has really done a wonderful job with them. Uh, you know, I'm firmly planning in cheek there, but uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, the thing is, with a hamstring injury, you come back too soon, you re-injure it. This is, this is the a casebook example of what happens, how to not manage a hamstring injury. So uh, he, he probably will play again. It'll probably be after you've already been eliminated. How much do you rank down even a guy like Nick Chubb this week if you believe the snow is coming Like uh, at all? I mean, do you worry about that in terms of setting lineups? Well, you know he'll get volume. Um, if The thing is, uh, you know, often, like, you know, snow is not necessarily killing offense. Wind, on the other hand, or, like, or just a storm in the middle of the game. Like, the mere presence of snow on the ground probably doesn't hurt so badly. But, you know, when, when, if there's, like, a massive snowstorm, that's going to hurt all the, you know, all the passing, which actually gives, like, Chubb, like, the uh, likelihood of getting 25 to 30 touches. So, I mean, on one hand, yeah, it's, it's going to drag down all the offense because he'll probably face eight-man boxes all day. But the other hand, he's going to get his chances. Um, here's uh, somebody that sounds like they are disappointed in their Najee Harris draft pick. Is Najee Harris being replaced by Jalen Warren? Well, Harris is coming off his best game. It's a funny thing. Uh, he went 20 for 99. Um, you know, he didn't get in the end zone because, of course, not. And he did lose a fumble. But at the other hand, Jalen Warren looks better. 
Uh, I, I, and we know Harris is dealing with a knee issue, too. So this is one where I'm going to be watching really closely and see uh, what the practice reports are on Thursday and Friday. 69187 is the text line. Uh, pick one of these three in a PPR league. Tyler Algier, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith. Um, I would go uh, Garrett Wilson on this one here. Uh, you know, he's really emerged as uh, Zach Wilson's lead uh, target there. 69187 is the text line. Uh, I'm curious, rest of season. Actually, and I'll ask you this two ways. Rest of season and, like, the future. Would you rather have Tua or Justin Fields? Justin Fields. Um, and I love Tua. But Justin Fields is, like, QB3 right now. I mean, the only ones I, I think QB4. Uh, the, the three quarterbacks that I would start over him in just like a, you know, context-neutral state are Allen, Mahomes, and Hurts, and that is it. That's the list. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers backfield, uh, is Elijah Mitchell going to be like a playable running back the entire year? Is he going to get enough work there? He's kind of a flex play, a bi-week play, I think. Um, last week, the game script was perfect. They had a lead. Uh, it was a close game. They They weren't able to throw the ball all that effectively. Uh, so they just ran and ran and ran a lot there, and he got his 18 touches, 18 carries. He was the closer. I don't think it's always going to work out that way, but they do want to get him some work. They do want to rest McCaffrey here and there so and try to preserve McCaffrey for the playoffs. So, you know, he will get work. He, he, he's just he's probably around RB30 every given week. Last one from our text line, George Pickens or Drake London? Yuck. Um, <laughs> Drake London. No, no weather concerns against the Bears defense that's really having a hard time stopping the pass. And just pray that this isn't just a hideous Mariota game. He is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire answering your fantasy questions every Thursday. Jeff, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. So there is Jeff Erickson answering fantasy football questions as he does every Thursday. Uh, as always, thanks to Jeff for doing that. Um, yeah, Ju- Justin Fields out of nowhere. A looks like a, a competent NFL quarterback, right? But, but now also, he's, I mean, number four in his list, QB right. four, and, and it's the the absolute funny part. So uh, Ted Wynn, who writes for the Athletic, I think he did it last year too. But for like the first five six weeks of the season, Ted Wynn, like every Sunday, would tweet something about why don't the Bears have more designed runs for Justin Fields? And like, what is it? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? The Bears started using designed runs for Justin Fields, and it's like, oh, wow, this yeah. guy's really good. It's like, how, how do we have people like Ted Wynn, who, granted, I think he's coached high school football and, and does a bunch of film study stories for The Athletic, but how does Ted Wynn work for The Athletic and obviously is like, hey, here's how you should use and Justin no more Fields. more than the people who are actually right. coaching him. And it's like the, the Bears are like, we should do what with him now? Oh, wow, this works. It's great. I mean, they still lost to the Lions, so I guess it didn't lead to wins. But Fields went from being like, you got to give up on this guy to, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. What do you We've have got here? something here. So, yeah, coaches sometimes not always the smartest. Coming up next. The room. <laughs> coming up next, Gonzaga's going to the Big 12. And there's a pass that went off of Bolton, picked up by Carr Hustling, off to Rice. He'll lob it in. There's another slam dunk. Mitchell throws it down. Texas putting it on. The number two team in the country. Morris will dribble it out. The Longhorns pick up a convincing victory here. And tonight, 93-74 is the final score. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. 
Coming up later in the show, we've got tickets to give away to go see John Fogarty. Also, tickets to go see Pink. That was Texas beating up on Gonzaga. They ran them out of the gym, man. They did. Um, Gonzaga. Yeah. Okay. By the way, Drew Timmy's still at Gonzaga. He's been there for yeah, 30 years. 45 years. There was a stat that Drew Timmy has played more games with Gonzaga ranked number one in the country than not than ranked anything else. That's insane because he's been there forever. Yeah. Like Gonzaga's just been number one for more yeah. than half. They're not of his even number career. two now. Well, that's true. Um, Texas, by the way, before last night's game, Texas was number two in Ken Palm. Ken Palm very high on Texas, and then they just routed uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga. So Gonzaga, though, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Brett McMurphy had a tweet yesterday. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark and Gonzaga AD Chris Standiford met earlier today in Austin, Texas, and there is, quote, growing mutual interest regarding Gonzaga joining the Big 12. Um, this has been reported before about Gonzaga leaving the WCC for the Big 12. Do you believe it actually happens? Do you think we have... Well, I think they would want to. 2025, whatever year, Gonzaga's yeah. in the Big 12. Yeah. I don't know how any school would turn down that advancement of money. I don't know how they would. I don't know how they would stay in the WCC. Well, we don't, what would Gonzaga get? Well, they don't bring football, but they'd get a heck of a lot more than they do in the WCC. Are we sure about that? I think so. Because... I think they would. If you're I mean, the Big get 12, some kind of special deal, right? Because without football. Yes, because if you're... If you're every uh, power conference has their full membership, all of them play football, right? None of them have a team that just plays basketball, right? I guess technically the ACC has Notre Dame that just plays everything but football. But this would be... Excuse me, I got to cough again. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this would be... Something that power conferences have not done before. So when you look at the television money that gets paid out, when we talk about the Big Ten getting 70 or $80 million for their teams, and we talk about the Pac-12 is going to get, what, $30 million or something like that, that's for your football-playing teams. I don't know what the Big 12 gives Gonzaga. You can't give them $30, $40 million. No, but you've got to give them more than they're giving the WCC, where they, by the way run that league and get whatever they want. So if I'm Gonzaga though, how much more am I getting? And is that worth it? I mean, I, I still think it is. I don't know. They're not going to get 30 million. Like you said, but, and I look, I don't know the WCC media rights deal, but Gonzaga in that league, you know, dictates everything, right? They get anything they want. Um, but I don't know the meteorites deal in terms of how much money they get. It can't be much at all. I mean, look what the Mountain West gets. The Mountain West has football in their bigger league. If you go from three million is Gonzaga to ten million, is that worth it? It's a great question because the one thing about Gonzaga is they don't have to prove themselves to be a high NCAA tournament seed. No, they already get those. So they already get those. Um I guess it would depend on the money. I guess it what if it was twenty million instead of three? I mean, if yes. Absolutely. If I'm Gonzaga, the only good the Big 12 does me is money. Right. That's it. No, I don't need anything else from the Big 12. If I'm Gonzaga, I get one seeds in the NCAA tournament, right? I can schedule whoever I want, right? I don't need a conference to give me good games. I can go out and schedule whoever I want to play. And I get to call all the shots in my conference currently. Whatever I want in the WCC, I get. So 
the only thing Gonzaga can get out of the Big 12 that they don't have now is just simply more money. Well, then I guess it depends on how much it would be. Right. And so if it's like, hey, you're going to make $5 million more million, that might not be worth it for everything Gonzaga has going for it. Now, if it's, hey, you're going to get $15 million more, all right, that's probably worth right. it. But I'm, I don't know. I, again, whatever that dollar is, I'm interested to see. Because here's the other part. If I'm Oklahoma State or Iowa State or whatever, one of the teams that's going to be left when uh, Texas and Oklahoma leaves, I don't know if I'm happy about Gonzaga coming in if we're going to give them like $15 million. Right. I'd be like, wait a minute. Football drives all this, and they don't even play football. And now you're going to cut off money that we should be getting to give to a school that doesn't even play football? And now I've got to play them in basketball every year right. and probably lose. Like, I think I'd be more upset if I were the other members of this conference if it's going to be a big chunk of money going to Gonzaga because they don't play football. Yeah. And that's the key to driving to everything. revenue. Football is the key to everything. So be curious to see. Now, if it does happen, uh, the last nine seasons, the Big 12 has been first or second in conference rank by Ken Palm. And they're about to add, like, the best program over the last five to ten years yeah. in Gonzaga. This conference is like Texas and Oklahoma have been good members of that conference, but even when they lose them, the Big 12 is still probably going to be an unbelievably dominant basketball, basketball conference. Absolutely. Like, they're going to be incredible with yeah. Gonzaga and Kansas playing every year.